The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at sonsoflibertymedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Tuesday morning. Uh, sorry about blowing your ears out there at the first. I forgot to t- <laughs> turn down the uh, volume in what I was doing, and uh, so that's my fault. I, I do apologize for that. I didn't mean to like make your hair stand on end and wake everybody up in the house at one time. Uh, if you'd like to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertymedia.com, sonsoflibertyradio.com. In fact, if you want to watch the face that's made for radio, you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, you can do so at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Just go there and go down right there on the right side of the page, and we are streaming live this morning. And also catch that live video feed on my Twitter account at FPPTim, FPPTim on Twitter. My Periscope and Twitch account are Setting Brush Fires. We're streaming there, as well as our Facebook page, Bradley Dean SOL. Our YouTube channel is Dean Sons of Liberty. Beforeitsnews.com, right there on the front page. Thank you to Michael Roach for that. And also DLive.tv, picking up a lot of new friends there at DLive, and we appreciate you guys at The Sons of Liberty. Spreely Gab, MeWe, Minds, and USA.life, we're on there. On If you're going to other social media uh, platforms, we're on there. <clears throat> I am trying to, at least my shows, in the morning when I get time, to upload to BitChute as well. It takes forever to upload a video there. Uh, and I've still got to get Saturdays and yesterdays because of some things that I've got going on around my house uh, that I'm doing as well. So be patient. I'm trying to build that up. There are still some videos up there from when the show was setting brush fires. Uh, so some of those are still up there. Maybe I'll have time to go back and start archiving some stuff there at BitChute. Some of it was supposed to be automatic <clears throat> because they had a button you could click and it would automatically pull your stuff from YouTube over there. And, uh, well, some of it worked and some of it didn't. If you'd like to call in any time during the show, you got a comment or you got a question or something you want to pose to the audience, that's fine. Please stick to the topic. The number is 215-TOP-TALK, 215-867-8255. Now, the show, <laughs> I put for the title of the show, um, what are Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Bryant and, or Barrett, excuse me, and John Roberts all have in common. What do they all have in common? 
Now, aside from the obvious, which is they're all Roman Catholic, we'll talk about that in just a minute, and they're all on the Supreme Court, what do they all have in common? Now, I could just go ahead and give you the answer and you can turn the show off. (laughs) But like a good host, I'm going to lead you down the road to show you. And if you don't know already, some of you, you're smart people, okay? And um, you... uh, (laughs) <laughs> we don't want to go way off course. That's right. You, uh, Some of you guys already know where I'm going with this, but I thought I would show you this because I put that, I put this very thing up last night. I put up um, the following image, okay? And for people who are on Red State Talk Radio, this is a little image I made last night with these three Supreme Court justices now. I put that up, okay, and then I put a little uh, caption over it, okay, which read, What do Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, and John Roberts have in common besides being Roman Catholics and Supreme Court justices in 2020? I'll give you a hint. It has to do with elections. That question was rated false information by Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me a second. Okay. Ever wish Election I, Day would just uh, get here already? Okay, hang well, on we just can't a second. Fast forward to November because 3rd. But did you know you don't have to wait until then? Don't you hate these sites when you. Let's talk early voting. Illinois Let's vo- talk early voting. We're going to play this lady here in just a minute. Okay. But for whatever reason, that you can put this on pause and they have this site just going every five minutes or something that the lady has to say her thing. Anyway, back to the topic at hand. I put this up. We get the false information thing. This is what Facebook fact checkers are doing. Okay? My question with a picture, not say I didn't say anything except that, came up as false information by Facebook. Now, what did they say was false about it? Let me show you. This was by <laughs> This is by Lead Stories, which is run by Alan Duke who's more than a two-decade veteran of the least trusted name in news, CNN. And it's rated false because, quote, John Roberts' name is not on the Epstein flight logs. (laughs) Okay. This information has no basis in fact. My question about what what ties these guys together. It's interesting, though, uh, that this is the case. And one of the things that uh, I want to do, <laughs> I, I, I can't help it because I think of how silly this looks. Okay, I mean, it just looks silly. But this is to show you exactly what, and I'm going to put this over here so this lady isn't talking anymore. Okay, I'm just going to have her on standby over there so I don't get this anymore. It's interesting to me that Facebook's AI, their algorithms or whatever, Is this bad? But I'm not surprised. Look, again, this is why there's supposed to be a platform and not engage in this nonsense. This third-party fact-checking. This is all an agenda. That's what this is. Okay? There's supposed to be a platform where people can go, they can build their businesses, they can keep in touch with family, they can put out their political views, they can share ideas, they can share information. And Facebook is protected from anybody putting anything on that platform. 
because there's no way they can keep up with the millions and millions and millions of images and videos and statements and posts and memes and all this other stuff that go up every single minute. Same thing with YouTube. But they're trying to. They're trying to get involved in the agenda. They're violating uh, federal law all the way along. Okay? But I just thought I'd throw that out to you because I put that up and it hit me last night. Maybe I need to talk about that. Maybe we need to really dig in more <laughs> to Epstein flight logs and see if there's more with John Roberts. I don't know. But let's go over just a couple of things. The one thing that people remember... Well, I tell you what, let's do this first. Let's bring in, if you didn't get to see it last night, there was a swearing-in ceremony for Amy Coney Bryant. And then she gave a short speech. It runs uh, about four minutes, okay? So let's hear from Miss Barrett. I don't know why I want to say Bryant. That's coming off my tongue. Amy Coney Barrett. um, Let's listen to what she has to say, okay? Thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you all for being here tonight, and thank you, President Trump, for selecting me to serve as an Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. It's a privilege to be asked to serve my country in this office, and I stand here tonight truly honored and humbled. Thanks also to the Senate for giving its consent to my appointment. I am grateful for the confidence you have expressed in me And I pledge to you and to the American people that I will discharge my duties to the very best of my ability. This was a rigorous confirmation process, and I thank all of you, especially Leader McConnell and Chairman Graham, for helping me to navigate it. My heartfelt thanks go to the members of the White House staff and Department of Justice who worked tirelessly to support me through this process. Your stamina is remarkable, and I have been the beneficiary of it. Jesse and I are also so grateful to the many people who have supported our family over these last several weeks. Through ways both tangible and intangible, you have made this day possible. Jesse and I have been truly awestruck by your generosity. I have spent a good amount of time over the last month at the Senate, both in meetings with individual senators and in days of hearings before the Senate Judiciary Committee. The confirmation process has made ever clearer to me one of the fundamental differences between the federal judiciary and the United States Senate. And perhaps the most acute is the role of policy preferences. It is the job of a senator to pursue her policy preferences. In fact, it would be a dereliction of duty for her to put policy goals aside. By contrast, it is the job of a judge to resist her policy preferences. It would be a dereliction of duty for her to give in to them. Now, now let me let me just I just interject right there. That was one of the things that came off. It would be a derelict of duty. They all have the same job, that is to uphold the US Constitution. Policy preferences always follow law, right? I mean, this is something that Bradley points out all the time. 
The policy follows the law. You stay within the law. There are plenty of senators up there following policy preferences that have nothing to do with the law. So I disagree that this is this kind of thing here. But we're going to get to some of that in just a minute um, where we've seen some of this take place. Here's more from Ms. Barrett. Federal judges don't stand for election. Thus, they have no basis for claiming that their preferences reflect those of the people. This separation of duty from political preference is what makes the judiciary distinct among the three branches of government. A judge declares independence not only from Congress and the President, but also from the private beliefs that might otherwise move her. The judicial oath captures the essence of the judicial duty. The rule of law must always control. My fellow Americans, even though we judges don't face elections, we still work for you. It is your Constitution that establishes the rule of law and the judicial independence that is so central to it. The oath that I have solemnly taken tonight means at its core that I will do my job without any fear or favor and that I will do so independently of both the political branches and of my own preferences. I love the Constitution and the democratic republic that it establishes and I will devote myself to preserving it. Thank you. All right, <clears throat> and that is uh, Amy Coney Bryant in her speech following her swearing in. And, um, you know, again, you love the Constitution, but during the, you know, confirmation hearings, she said, oh, you know, I rely on Supreme Court precedent. Now, if you were with us last week, I'm trying to make sure I got my days straight here. Last week, I think it was last Thursday. We had Catherine Henry on, constitutional attorney out of Michigan. And what did she say very clearly? This idea of precedence is not constitutional law. Did you get that? This idea of precedence is not constitutional law. She just said the Constitution is the law. I'm going to uphold it, yada, yada, yada. And then in the same breath, well, not the same breath, but during the confirmation hearings, she talked about upholding Supreme Court precedents, which, by the way, includes Roe v. Wade. Okay? Roe v. Wade is, is contained in that. Now, <clears throat> let me start off with the, the obvious thing. I asked the question, what do these guys have in common here? Well, the three that I mentioned are Roman Catholics. In fact, the court is made up of Roman Catholics and Jews. Those are the two religions that are represented in the Supreme Court right now. There used to be Protestants in that. In fact, the last Protestant to be in, on the Supreme Court was a guy by the name of John Paul Stevens. You know him as the guy who wanted to get rid of the uh, Second Amendment. <laughs> wasn't much of a Protestant. <sighs> That was in 2010, by the way, okay? 
Yes, it bothers me about that too, Lee. By the way, Lee Newton Rhodes is um, in the chat, and he is running for president, not the usual way. He's looking for people to get behind him, and he believes every baby should live. There's no reason a baby should be aborted. Fully behind the Second Amendment. If you'd like to check him out, Lee Newton Rhodes, check him out. He's running as a Democrat so that he actually gives Democrats something different than what they get. All right? Uh, so you can check him out. And thank you, Lee, for commenting. We appreciate you, man. Um, here's John Paul Stevens. He's the last, quote-unquote, Protestant. Wasn't much of one. Uh, and he went out in 2010. Now, how is that stacked up over history? Well, over, over time, I mean, Protestants were the majority. They were the majority in the Supreme Court. Um, and that's because they were, we, are, we have been the majority in America. And it was in 2010 when um, there was a piece written by The Week on John Paul Stevens, and he's called the last Protestant in the Supreme Court. Uh, Estelle, we're not advocating communism. If you can show that, you're welcome to call in and, and make your point, but I don't think you can do that because we're not advocating communism. Uh, if you, I don't even know that you know what communism is. Or you'd be calling out the president for the Treasury's Department engaging in it. In fact, one of the things is, is that at the time, in 2010, Protestants made up 51% of the population. Did you know that? I thought that was a low number, but it's not. 51% of the population. Today, Protestants make up 43% of the population. And I don't know if that's because of things like what Donald Trump did last week, where he goes, oh, I want to change my religious affiliation or whatever the word was that he used. He went from being a Presbyterian to a non-denominational Christian. Now, look, not, not to offend people who are part of non-denominational, non-denominational churches, but I can tell you this. Even the church he was at usually have a creed or confession they hold to. And Presbyterians, even the liberal ones, tend to hold to those, or at least say they're holding to these confessions. He left that where it defines... Who God is, who man is, who Christ is, what the Bible is, what it says, all these kinds. Of, he left that for non-denominational uh, church. Now, here, <laughs> yeah, I know. it's. Uh, I'll put that up in the archive, okay? I'll put the article up in the archive so you can see that. Because I didn't pull it out uh, for today. It just kind of hit me to bring this up. I find that non-denominational churches often are those who just say, well, we believe the Bible, but they don't spell out what they believe so you can actually see, okay, what do you believe about this, 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 this? And when you go to something like what we hold to, the Westminster Confession, or you're a Reformed Baptist, you go to a London Baptist Confession, which would be uh, what Charles Spurgeon held to in the 19th century, or you would go to um, uh, uh, the, the ah, drawing a blank here, for the Lutherans, you guys have a confession um, it's not the Augsburg of it. No, I forget which one it is. Uh, they have a confession. The point is, is they lay out what they believe about certain doctrines found within the scriptures. And they stand on those. They hold each other to them because the scripture that has already 
been dealt with by those who've come before us in laying those things out. We've got a sure foundation. We've got a solid foundation, all right, that's been presented to us. Um, The Scripture says that the foundation was the apostles and the prophets. They gave us the Scriptures, and from that, the, the, um, the, the, the pastor, teachers, and such have come out and they've taught it, they've expounded upon it so that they can equip the saints for ministry. Okay? But this is the case. Uh, our founding fathers, uh, we had the pilgrims. Uh, many of them would come out of uh, and become the Puritans that we know. We've seen some of those guys. They would have been the forerunning Calvinists. Okay? I know some people, that's a bad word for you, but just understand what it actually means, not the straw man everybody makes it to be. They have a Calvinist heritage. In fact, your real founding fathers, your real founding father, if you will, was John Calvin. All of his notes, all of his teaching was what spurred on the pilgrims. It was what spurred on the Puritans. It was what spurred on the Scottish Covenanters who came to this land to settle for the glory of God. They wanted to have the American dream, which was to do everything for the glory of God. It wasn't a house and two cars. It was to, to be able to have a good work ethic, uh, to live out and to flesh out what God had said. And so even their government was Christian. It was based upon the law of God. So just to, that's just a side note. I just want you to understand that this is what has went on. So let me get to a couple of these guys, and then we're going to bring in some uh, an elitist Catholic. I'm not a Catholic. Good night, Stacy. Wake up. <sighs> it's ridiculous. Some of the comments that you get in here, it's like people aren't thinking. Um, so here's three guys. We've got uh, John Roberts. Now, what is John Roberts most famous for? Now, he's supposed to be a conservative. John Roberts is most famous for being the vote cast on the Supreme Court to make Obamacare constitutional. And he had to even lead the attorneys in that. (laughs) He had to lead them in it. And what goes even further than that is the fact that John Roberts, in doing that, and again, I watched the 60 Minutes interview with Donald Trump and, and Leslie Stahl, and yes, she was wrong about some things, but if you listen to Donald Trump on the Obamacare and the healthcare thing, I mean, he's, he's back and forth. He's contradicting. We've got a plan. Well, we've got many plans. Well, we're going to get a plan. You, you listen to the thing that's come out there. <sighs> Stacey, I've already dealt with that. If you'd like to see it, it's on the nature, the Antichrist nature of President Donald Trump. You go figure it out yourself. Okay, Go look at the information that's there. With that said, that's that's John Roberts. He was supposed to be the conservative guy. And I've went through, um, <clears throat> you can watch the video, you can find it on YouTube, where I did the show on Supreme Court justices, Do Their Belief Systems Matter? And I took Amy Coney Barrett when she's saying, my Catholic faith has nothing to do when I look at the law. Well, wait a minute. If your Catholic faith is supposed to be, and I'm just saying this is what Roman Catholics say, it's supposed to be built upon the Bible, right? Of course, they go a step further and they say, I guess the church is superior to that. They tell you what the Bible says, and only the magisterium can uphold that. They, they're the only ones who can interpret it properly. And that was the issue that, that Luther was having 
was over the issue of indulgences when he nailed the 95 Thesis on the Wittenberg church door. All right? So here's, I, I brought that to bear because even our own president, President Ronald Reagan, and the Congress at the time, 1983, he signed the public law that recognized our laws are based upon the Bible. Or at least they're supposed to be. I know we got laws that have nothing to do with the Bible. Um, and I could list off several. I'm not going to go down that road because I'm wanting to stay on topic. But the fact of the matter is that is where our foundations were. Nobody can deny when you go back and you read the Mayflower Compact, that's where our foundations were. And yet Amy Coney Bryant says, or Barrett says, we have, I, I put that aside. I'm just here about the law. But remember, she will uphold Supreme Court precedents. Okay? She will uphold Supreme Court precedents. Even, I guess, when it's against the law. I guess. But John Roberts is on that. Now, the second one is Brett Kavanaugh. Now, <clears throat> interestingly enough, Brett Kavanaugh had a shady past too. And again, you're going to see this is this is the swamp, guys. This is the swamp here. You, you want to talk about, people want to talk about court packing. Well, <laughs> I'm going to show you how all these guys are together. <sighs> and it's really fascinating. In fact, when I told some people, they were like, what? Brett Kavanaugh, I told you during his confirmation hearings. And, and look, you guys remember, I defended him against the fake sexual you know, assault allegations. I, I know they're fake. Now, could he have done some things? Yeah, it's possible. But in this situation of the Christine Blasey Ford, I defended him on that. And I'm like, where is this lady coming out like decades later? Again, I will go back to, to biblical law and say, hey, the Bible says when this happens, this has to be going on then. You can't be coming out 20, 30 years down the road and doing this stuff. Pulling the stuff they were pulling on him. I thought it was wrong against him. But what I did point out to you was Brett Kavanaugh had a hand in the whole escapade that happened with Vince Foster. Do you guys remember him? The guy who allegedly committed suicide with a gun in his wrong hand and all the other that was problematic. And Ken, he was you know right-hand man to Ken Starr. In fact, what was interesting was, was that Brett Kavanaugh um, was a guy who it seems like in what, he's, in what he did was involved in the cover-up of what happened with Vince Foster. I don't think there's a person out there, I haven't run across him, who thinks Vince Foster killed himself. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. I don't think anybody believes that at all. Um, <laughs> you remember the first thing that they were given uh, was the issue on Planned Parenthood. This was back in December. Can you believe this was December of 2018? This is almost two years ago. This feels like it was earlier this year to me, actually. This is how time flies. Kavanaugh sided with pro-death judges and declining to hear states' rights cases States' rights case to defund Planned Parenthood. You remember what all the fuss about Kavanaugh was about? What was it about? 
well, we can't have him in here. He's he's going to be pro-life, which, you know, for for overall, it doesn't really mean a lot. It means we're going to regulate abortion is what it means, okay? Then you had Rush Limbaugh, who cheered on Brett Kavanaugh, right? You got Rush Limbaugh, who came on and said he was siding with liberal justices, The Blazy Forward confirmation hearings worked. Why? I'll tell you why. We even had people submitting articles to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Look, I we post some people who have a little bit different slant on things than Bradley or I. But the fact of the matter is, we had people going, we have to confirm Judge Kavanaugh because if we don't, we're letting the Democrats get away with all of this stuff. We're letting them get away with bringing this, these charges against him that aren't true. So we have to confirm for that. No, the confirmation hearings are about whether or not the guy upholds the Constitution and he follows the law. That's what they're about. They're not about what these people are attacking him with. But the people bought it, and they went ahead with it. And this happens with all of these guys. They stay away from the stuff they don't want. Nothing was asked about Vince Foster with Judge Kavanaugh. Not a thing. And so the first chance he got to deal with something about Planned Parenthood, the state's defunding Planned Parenthood, which would have been a bigger, a much bigger blow than Title 10 that Donald Trump signed. Which, look, I'll give him credit where credit's due. If Planned Parenthood wanted to jump through the hoops, they could get that $60 million, but it's $60 million to them. Why do that when Trump has given them $100 million more every year than Barack Obama? through his signature on legislation that's come across his desk. Why do that? Oh, we'll give up $60 million for $100 million. I'll give you $60 for $100, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. That's what's going on, okay? More than $600 million of your dollars are unconstitutionally going to Planned Parenthood every year, and Brett Kavanaugh had the chance to shut it down at the state level since the president wouldn't do it. And he says, no, thanks. I don't want to I don't I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that case. Yeah, there's no chance of these guys overturning the ruling, not the law, the ruling of Roe v. Wade. So we come to Miss Barrett. And let me bring up uh what I was going to talk about with her, and then I'm going to tie them all together. Okay so that you see what's going on. The other week, um, October the 9th, our friend, uh, Pastor Chuck Baldwin from Montana, he's a contributor to SonsLibertyMedia.com. He wrote just days after I did my show on the Supreme Court, where I was showing you it's been Republicans, it's been conservatives that's been putting these people on the court that has given us these awful rulings. I know everybody wants to make, look, I get it, the other guys are really bad. Okay. Uh, you know, Clinton, it's because you don't know. You think Donald Trump makes the sunshine. That's the problem. The issue is this. Here's what he points back. Here's, here's what uh, Chuck Baldwin points to. And he gives some examples here of Miss Barrett's rulings, which quite often are not constitutional, but upholding tyrannical big government. 
So, Clinton, this is what you're applauding, just like you're applauding Trump and his false gospel, his, his promotion of sodomy, the continued funding of the murder of the unborn with his pen. This, this, is what, this is what's being supported. Here's what Chuck Baldwin had to say. Here's the break, breakdown of how justices voted on Roe back in 1973. The vote was seven in support and two opposed. The list of the votes of the nine justices on the Supreme Court in the Roe v. Wade decision and who appointed them is as follows. And you'll notice, here is the support. You got one, two, three, four, five Republicans in support of that ruling. You've got two Democrats. Those opposed, the only ones opposed, William Rehnquist. Remember, he was the chief justice for a while. Appointed by Richard Nixon. He's a Republican. Byron White, appointed by John F. Kennedy, a Democrat. And I took you through uh, more than that. I took you up to the, to the day from, I think it was 1970 is where we were counting, uh, where people came into the Supreme Court. Largely populated by those appointed by Republican presidents as, quote-unquote, conservatives. Just, I'm just trying to pull back things so people step back and say, wait a minute, I thought the conservatives are supposed to be the good guys. Well, they're supposed to be. But it's when you see their actions, not what they say they are, not what their political jersey is. It's when you see their actions is where you see who they really are, what they really stand for. Okay? Here's what uh, Chuck Baldwin points out. And again, I had pointed it out just days before, so we were on the same page. He says, as you can see, GOP appointments had a 6-3 to three majority when the Roe decision was decided. Note that five of those Republican-appointed justices voted in favor of Roe. They didn't even need a Democrat-appointed justice to vote for Roe, which two did, in order for it to pass. Notice, too, that only one Republican-appointed justice voted against Roe. And people are making excuses for this. There's no excuse for this, guys. Quit saying we're all sinners. We're all imperfect. We're all faulty people. That's not the point. The point is, this is not a hard thing to figure out. If you don't defend life, you have no other rights. Go back and read the Declaration of Independence. Our Creator has endowed us with certain inalienable rights. Among those are life If you don't have life, you don't have squat. If you do not have the right to life, you don't have any claim to any other rights. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. And this is what I was talking about at the first with this whole kind of non-denominational Christianity that doesn't want to define what all of the Bible says and just saying, oh, we're just all sinners. Yes, we are. There's no question about that. The fact of the matter is, we put people in office to do a job, and that is to uphold the law. And when they don't uphold the law, we are to deal with them lawfully. Our Constitution has a means of dealing with them. The laws in our states have the means to deal with them. So don't tell me, well, who are you going to vote for? That's not an answer to the problem. The answer to the problem is to remove them from office and to begin charging them 
with crimes against the people for their violation of law. They are held to a higher standard, just like in the in the church. Elders and are and teachers are held to a higher standard. Then the rest of them doesn't make them any better. just means they're held to a higher standard. They're going to receive a greater judgment, is what James says. So the same thing happens here. So if we do it in the church, let me take it back a second. You're going to give a, you're going to, again, I just, I just said it. <laughs> just, what are you suggesting we do? I just told you. Go back and play it. I, I, I'm running out of time. I've got to do, do this other Chuck Bowen goes on and he says this. There's, there's a couple of things I want to bring to your attention about Miss Barrett. Joel Skousen writes, and this is from Chuck Baldwin's piece, and it, it's great. I'm going to have this again up in, um, in the archive so that you, can, you guys can read it for yourself, okay? You can read it for yourself. Joel Skousen quotes a source saying, The recent excitement over a new Supreme Court appointment prompted me to do some research. I was initially very enthused about Amy Coney Barrett. Look, I was too when she was considered at the time that that Judge Kavanaugh was being considered. I was like, okay, Kavanaugh is a definitely, you strike that guy out. Just over the whole Vince Foster thing alone. Much less anything else you've ruled out. Because as far as I'm concerned, he's deep state. Okay? After constitutional attorney Robert Barnes threw cold water on the choice and expressed his support for Judge Lagoa, I did some research and listened to talks and interviews with Judge Barrett. She impresses me as being somewhat detached and devoid of empathy and warmth. She stressed that a judge may not let, quote, personal preference, color, and see, she talked about that, she talked about policy preferences, color her decisions. She further went on to include morality under personal preferences. Folks, law is morality. I've said this time and again. Every government, every government is a theocracy. You say, what? Yep. Whoever the God of the society is determines the law. If you're an Islamic country, guess what determines law? The Quran and the Hadith. So you get Sharia. If you are in a Roman Catholic country, <clears throat> you're going to get it from the magisterium. All we have to do is go back to the time of the Renaissance. We go back all through history of seeing that, of what Rome did. Okay? Actually, they yeah, you're, you're right, Kim. That's, that's the whole point. <clears throat> so you come to a Christian country, the law was based upon the Bible. Go back and look at our laws in history. Many of them cited chapter and verse. Why? Because we were a Christian land. The sovereign states, and by the way, I'm going to show you this. You guys have any gift ideas? This is what I want. Make America states again. (laughs) Okay? Just came to mind. Make America states again. In other words, let's get back to the sovereign states of the United States instead of looking to the beast up in D.C. for our answers. Okay? They had limited things they could do for the states, not to limit the people. Okay? So here's what um, Skousen continues on with. He says, 
In her Hesburg lecture at Jacksonville University in 2016, the impression was communicated that she was more partial to Hillary Clinton than Donald Trump. Isn't that interesting? She praised Justice Scalia for siding with a flag burner in a court decision. Look, I don't, I don't really care about stuff like that. Our founding fathers burned effigies of King George and flags and all that other stuff. You know, whatever. An eye-opener with respect to the sentiment, I want to appoint someone pro-life. She insisted that this is not the correct criteria to apply in selecting someone for the Supreme Court. Hmm. Yep, don't protect life. That's the first right given among men. That you shouldn't put that as a criteria for selecting somebody to the Supreme Court. This is this is Judge Barrett. We shouldn't be putting people on the court who share our policy preferences. This is not a policy preference. We're talking murder, folks. We're talking murder. What does God say? It's part of his law. You shall not murder. And this lady says it's a policy preference. See what you're applauding there, certain people who want to applaud the confirmation? This is what you're not told. This is what Donald Trump didn't tell you. This is what the conservatives didn't tell you. The right to life is a policy preference? That's what Skousen asked. Yeah, I asked that too. By the way, that's a right. You know, if we didn't give authorities to the government, then they reside with the states and with the people. Okay? Then he goes on to say, she went on to say the biological boys using girls' bathrooms is a who decides issue. How many of you guys think that out there? How many of you were ticked off over the fiasco that went on down there in Houston that's gone on in schools around the country? Over boys claiming that they're girls, girls claiming that they're boys, men claiming that they're women, women claiming that they're men, going into different restrooms. And then we have the assaults, we have the voyeurism and everything else that's going on. How many of you are ticked off about that? But you aren't ticked off about this. Do you see the hypocrisy that's on display here? She never suggested that the idea is outrageous, which it is. To her, the highest law is the Constitution, and its interpretation is nuanced and impacted by many factors, some of which are Supreme Court precedents, which again, Catherine Henry said, and rightly so. I'm glad she said it. That is not how constitutional law works. The law is what it is. It's clear. The law of God, the natural law, whose author is God, has no role to play, says Skousen and. Barrett's thinking, and I would say many of these justices' thinking, maybe with the exception of Clarence Thomas, I'm not sure. As with Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, Barrett is just another big government police state ideologue who will continue the assault against our constitutionally protected liberties and who will do nothing to overturn Roe. And again, here's what Barnes, he's a constitutional attorney, has to say about Ms. Barrett. He says, Barrett sided with the government on almost every civil rights case, every big employer case, every criminal case, while also siding with the government on the lockdowns. 
siding with the government on the lockdowns, on uncompensated takings, on excusing First Amendment infringements and Fourth Amendment violations. This is Judge Justice now, Amy Coney Barrett. Barrett exclaimed that the benefits of Jacobson, the, uh, exclaimed the benefits of Jacobson, the decision that greenlit forced vaccines and carved out an emergency exception to constitutional protection in public health or emergency cases used to justify forced sterilizations and detention camps. She said that was a benefit. What are they talking about now? Forced vaccinations, aren't they? You say, well, Mr. Trump said that we're not going to force it on the people. I know he said that, but I know he says a lot of different things. Go back and listen to that Leslie Saw 60 Minutes and listen to his healthcare stuff. And he is all over the place in that. He says one thing, we've got a plan. Well, we're putting together a plan. Well, we've got many plans. Listen to it. Try to, try to back off from your thing to want to go defend your political jersey and back off just a little bit and listen to what's said and listen to how many stories he's telling you. And at the end, yeah, they bring out this book that's like, I don't know, it's as big as my Webster's Dictionary that my aunt gave me when I graduated. It's as thick as my arm. (laughs) I'm talking about from wrist to elbow, my forearm. It's as big as that, but it doesn't really have his plan. It has executive orders and other things like that, but it doesn't have his plan. She is for setting the stage for that. Now, what's interesting is she comes, she was trained under Scalia. And Scalia is the one who told us that the concentration camps are coming back. They will eventually come back because he saw the way things were going. And what, a year later or so, he was dead. Now, here again is from, from uh, Mr. Barnes. And this is, again, from Chuck uh, Baldwin's article. I'll have this up so you can read it for yourself if you want to rehearse any of this and you want to look it up yourself, okay? Barrett excused or immunized questionable police conduct in almost every seizure case or use of force case she came across. She protects the agents of the state. Many with fact patterns that would make her easily demolished in the court of public opinion in the age of George Floyd. Barrett hid behind precedent that fellow federal circuits said did not apply any longer to allow Chicago to prohibit pro-life activists from exercising their free speech and did so without a concurring opinion as she did whenever she doubted precedent. Hear that, pro-lifers? She was against you and your free speech to speak out about the American Holocaust and the murder of the unborn American babies. Go on, applaud that. You're just setting yourself up for war with God. That's all I'm saying. And it's because Americans in this country have made a man their idol. And they believe anything and everything the man says, no matter how many lies he tells you, no matter how deceptive he is. Barrett justified discriminating against someone participating in protests over the killing of his brother. In a case that will make easy headlines for her critics to make her look, or excuse me, make her, uh, this is a, 
something's out of line here. Uh, the misconduct excuser, her actual record says that she is. Barrett justified regulatory takings without compensation and government discrimination by siding with the government's version once again, like she has in a near record setting 95% plus of her cases. I agree, Timothy, it was. This is just another example. People say I'm wrong. Well, you got to show me because when you, when you get this, this is what's going on. And finally, Barnes closes out here. He says, Barrett found a dubious standing excuse to deny citizens the right to prevent the corrupt misappropriation of property for the building of the Obama Library. Did you get that? Barrett found a dubious standing excuse to deny citizens the right to prevent the corrupt misappropriation of property for the building of the Obama Library. I mean, there's other things. I don't have the time to read it because I got to get to the punchline. You'll want to know what these guys have in common. I know you've been waiting for it because I've kind of touched on each one and some of the things in the past. Just to remind you that we did tell you so. Well, let me tell you. And I'm going to try to get this. I hope I don't have to stay over a couple of minutes because I'm wanting to finish on time. Back in August, we reported... Armies of lawyers stand ready to fight long legal battle over the 2020 election results. What happened 20 years ago this coming month? Hanging chads. Florida was just a mess, wasn't it? Al Gore, George W. Bush, both were bad for the country. Would have been bad for the country, the one. And we know that George W. Bush was, uh, well, he was problematic and got us into a whole bunch of mess that we shouldn't have been in. That's what went on. What do all these guys have in common besides they're Roman Catholics and they're on the Supreme Court? All of them were involved in the legal battle for the GOP and George W. Bush in 2000. Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, and John Roberts. Every single one of them was involved. Now, liberal or not, there are some facts here. All of them were involved in that. Um, this comes from the intellectualist. Okay, There are several people who've had stories on it, so it doesn't matter where I pull it from. I, I have the Washington Post, which I know it's tied with the CIA, Jeff Bezos, all this other stuff. That doesn't mean that some of the stuff that they put out, you, in order to make the lie good, you got to put some truth into it, okay? The intellectualist writes that given Trump slides in the polls, we can question that whether that's true or not. Everybody knows you don't really trust the polls. Sometimes the polls turn out to be right and even more so than they're giving, and then sometimes they turn out to be just absolutely wrong. And they can swing in just a moment. So I don't care about polls, okay? What I want you to see is what, what was going on. A replay of 2000's Bush versus Gore debacle could be the only way he wins. And what's he got on the court now? Well, he's got these three guys. It's not hard to imagine the court once again installing a Republican president. 
Indeed, a number of conservative justices are steeped in this history. Justices John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh worked on George W. Bush's legal team during the 2000 Florida recount and successfully intervened to stop Democratic ballots from being counted. If confirmed, Barrett would be a third justice who worked for Republicans during the Florida recount, increasing the likelihood that the court, with a 6-3 conservative majority, would side with Trump in a post-election dispute. Why? Because they've already been through it. They've already been through it. Okay? So they know what they're they know what they know how they know the playbook that they're gonna use. They're gonna do that. Should it come to that? If confirmed, Barrett be the third justice, da 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 um six three conservative majority would side with Trump. And then it says, on her questionnaire for the Senate Judiciary Committee, Barrett said she, quote, provided research and brief assistance on Bush versus Gore as a young associate with Miller, Cassidy, LaRocca, and Lewin. The firm later merged with Baker Botts, run by longtime GOP power broker James Baker. Whoever saw the recount for Bush? I worked on the case on location in Florida for about a week at the offset of the litigation, she wrote. Now, you can go and read the rest of this uh, at sonsoflibertymedia.com. We'll have that up. And there was an issue. And some people don't think there's a difference between absentee voting and mail-in voting. There is a difference. And I'm going to have a couple of articles you can take a look at. The one was, I'm not going to have time to play that lady who was trying to talk while I started the show. Uh, she tells you the difference. It's pretty short, okay? Yeah, she did handle them well, Andrea, but the problem is not really constitutional. The history really isn't constitutional. <sighs> so, in any case, I'll have some things up where you can look at the differences of those. You can see the information that I'm, I put to you here, and we shouldn't be surprised by that because the fact of the matter is, while Trump has been telling you that he's draining the swamp, he's really filling it. He's really filling it at all levels here. It's not just one. I've covered this in a long list of Bilderberg attendees, Council on Foreign Relations members within the Trump administration. Guys, this isn't how you make America great again. It really isn't. And the problem is, is that some people just aren't waking up to it. They just want to do nothing more than say, we will have no king but Caesar. Give us Caesar. Tomorrow, Rotten of the Core Wednesday, Lynn Taylor, this is going to be a big one. See ya.